Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. You know what my favorite text is? A waypoint in the Onyx Hunt app to a goblin turkey. The list on the Onyx Hunt app features for chasing turkeys is long, but knowing exact public and private boundaries and land ownership details will help you find more places to hunt, whether that's on public or private. I'll be toting the Hunt app through the spring woods in a few states this year, and I recommend you do the same if you want more turkeys on your table. Also, Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onyxmaps.com hunt this spring. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. Nuke, your office looks real nice. It does it really? Yeah, it feels. Why? I think it could be because it's so gray and sad outside, but it just feels. <laughs> it is pleasantly <laughs> gloomy out. Do you, do you think it's because I just sprayed this Old Spice Wolf Thorn in here? I don't know. Like, I mean, First time in Misty's life she's ever walked in my office and went, "Man, it just looks really nice in here." <laughs> Not is five that, minutes ago. Is that the only thing you've done different today? Yes, <laughs> five, the five minutes ago, I picked. This up from where Bear Newcomb parks his vehicle. It is a can of aerosol, aerosol aluminum-free body spray, Wolfthorn Old Spice. I walked in, put a puff by the air conditioner. <laughs> Ben's almost down. We almost this, lost one. This chair. It, <laughs> you're chair's, in the chair. That chair's got a reputation. Be careful with that chair. We're going to introduce our, our, our guest here. I puffed this right by the air conditioner. Misty walks in and is like... Man, it looks great in here. Other things that <laughs> and are different. You've never been more handsome. Excuse me. Yeah. Other, well, I mean, he's got a wolf skin, or a coonskin hat on his head. I th- wow! Just bring up the elephant in the room right off. <laughs> the raccoon in the room. <laughs> I, so let me uh, let me. Well, what what's different about the office? I honestly, I think that you have tidied up the podcast equipment on that little. It does look tote. more tidy. And I think that having it organized like that, as opposed to how it typically is, makes it feel cleaner in here. And I like a clean and orderly environment. Hmm. I think it's because there's nothing laying right there. Yeah. I, yeah. All the I stuff agree. that's laying is laying at my back. I can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
So it's just a matter of perception. Did yeah. y'all notice there's a new bear hide in here? I, this See one that right big here? old bear hide? That's a beautiful dark chocolate brown bear wow. right there. Yes, it is, Josh. Good eye. Yeah. Josh has an eye for color. Mm-hmm. It's it's and it's real glossy. Many fur people too. would just look at that and say it's black, but you're right. It's deep chocolate. Yeah, pretty deep chocolate. So that's the bear that I killed last year. That's on the film Newcomb Family, the Newcomb Family Bear Camp film. Mm. Oh, okay. You know, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, when when Bear killed his bear in National Forest, and then I killed the bear. That's the bear. I just got it back. It's a beautiful hide. Probably a six and a half foot bear. Mm. Yeah, it's a good size. Wow. Weighed about 300 pounds. So that does bring up a great point about the office. I have been working on my tractor. I have a B26 Kubota tractor that I bought in 2007, brand spanking new. I believe Basically, we put our house up as collateral. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I mean, it was like the Got biggest purchase straight. of my life. Uh-huh. Do you remember it, Dad? Oh, yeah. Shoot you out. And, and I bought it. And it was one of the best decisions that I ever made because I, I I made a living driving that thing. Right. For basically, well, I started in 2005, ended that career stint in 2013. So from 07 to 13, really made a living off this little Kubota backhoe. I still have it. And uh, it's got 1,200 hours on it. Uh, those things hold their value, tremendous value. I had a lot of people try to buy it from me and I won't sell it. But it's like part of the family now. Yeah. But I, I spent quite a bit of time digging out so my office is on a is on a slope slightly slightly sloped ridge i don't know probably a 10 15 degree slope and i dug out probably 20 feet back into the ridge and would you say that cut bank back there is probably three and a half four feet yep so i mean moved a lot of dirt yeah and for a kubota b26 yeah 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 so it's not a big tractor and I'm, I use the dirt to fill in a bunch of other stuff, but I'm building on a, a north wing to the global headquarters of Meat Eater South. The global headquarters mm-hmm. of Meat Eater South. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's right. got it. I haven't got the official clearing from Meat Eater for that title. <laughs> That's a little heavy duty, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You might find yourself working at Walmart. Not careful. Um, but I have big plans uh, this winter and spring. I've got a guy going to bring a sawmill in. We're going to cut some longleaf pine off dad's land in Oklahoma. We're going to skid it out with the tractor. We're going to bring it back here. We're going to mill up all the framing lumber for the, for the addition. I've cut some cedars off my place that we're going to use to line the inside. And basically, I'm going to build a big wing that's going to be for gear and for primarily for gear and for Miss Newcomb to have an office. How about that? Be awesome. Be just, awesome. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> she's earned After it. After all these years. She's earned it. Yeah. Earned it. So that's big news. Mm-hmm. Would you guys agree? Agree. I would agree. Okay, so to my left, Josh Lambridge, Spillmaker. Greetings, everybody. Fantastic to see you. When we come back around, we're going to talk about what I'm wearing. Okay. And to... Wow. To, <laughs> okay. to Josh... <laughs> To Josh's left. <laughs> to Josh's left. Without any ben, Ben's not show. really a guest. Ben, you've never been on Bear Grease, but you were on Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so Ben Legrone, longtime mm-hmm. family friend of ours. His and wife worked for... Yeah, we were magazine. just talking about. Yeah. So, so Ben's wife worked for me for how long, Ben? I think eight years. She was the copy editor yeah. of Bear Hunting Magazine. Yeah. And, and she was like a, tell, an, tell us an what English she did major. And why it's kind of fun now. Yeah. Well, so my wife is, she's never really hunted. Doesn't know really, it's not her thing. And But 
when you hired her, she had to read every single article. Every article that was ever in Bear Hunting Magazine, Jessica's read and edited. And then you'd also send the magazine to her so she would proof the whole thing and just look over so every So she would detail. individually read all the articles yeah. and edit them. Yeah. And then when I built the magazine, I would send her the finished version of the magazine, which she would read again. Yeah. I promise you, she read way more than I did <laughs> about bear hunting. I'm just glad that wasn't my job because that's a lot of time in the bathroom reading magazines. <laughs> well, this one time, this one time, Clay told her straight up, Jessica, I think you know more about bear hunting than I do. <laughs> and I, to this day, any question I ever have about not just bear hunting, but the species, I ask my wife. I don't ask Clay. Yeah. And because yeah. she can file off all these stories and anecdotes and this biology. And it's like amazing because she's never hunted. And she, you know, she's from Midwest and kind of moved around a lot of places in the Midwest. Yeah. To my standards, would be considered Yankee, as we'd call it, you know, <laughs> and uh, which you know, plenty of people up north hunt. But it's it's to this day very funny to me, and it's I genuinely learn a lot from her. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we got That's we awesome. got to get her on the podcast we do, at we some do. point. Yeah, and hey, Dad, I was going to tell you this outside, but I thought I'd wait to tell you this. Ben and Jessica are internet sensations. Oh, really? For real? They actually are. They yep. tell us about your business. That's not yeah, why yeah. you're here, but. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess you could say to the in the baby world, we're a big deal. <laughs> if you're a baby, we're a big deal. Uh, so years ago, we started an online childbirth class, and it was this dream we had. And then during COVID, it kind of blew up because people couldn't go to hospitals and have traditional childbirth classes. And Jessica's a certified childbirth educator and a doula, a labor doula. And uh, it just kind of grew from there to this this whole brand and business where we build online courses for couples wanting to learn about childbirth, how to take care of babies. And we got a lot of big dreams and, and places we're taking in the future. Uh, but this is me and her. We run the whole business on the internet. So it started out as an Instagram thing. We make educational, but Comedic videos about <laughs> they're, yeah, they're wildly and pretty much every stereotype toward uh, pregnant so women. My, and, and my Instagram logarithm is thrown way off because it's like, and then you I actually, whenever we started, I had to unfollow our account too. So I was like, this is messing up my world. <laughs> yeah. So tell us what the Instagram name is Balanced Birth Couple, balance.birth.couple. And that comes from our company name, which is called Balanced family. So we're helping couples learn how to balance all the information they read on the internet because you get all the extremes now and the extremes on the internet thrive on the, both sides of the controversy. We try to teach couples how to be balanced, figure out what's what's good for them. So that's our that's our business. So th they make a living like he and his wife, full-time living off the internet business. They've got 100,000 plus people, right? Yeah, 108,000 on, on on Instagram, yeah. big TikTok following. Right. And then they sell these birth classes so it's it's really pretty cool mm -hmm. and being your hunter your lifetime yeah. lifelong hunter yeah lifelong hunter grown born and bred in arkansas i'm actually like a multi-generational arkansan i was thinking about because you always say you're like seventh generation yeah arkansan. yeah uh, i, was, I tried do to count other up. states do that i don't know it's it's weird in arkansas yeah. the way people are like i'm a seventh generation i'm a ninth yeah, generation yeah, yeah. I'm, and it's like i, I just never proud hear that, that we're alive yeah, yeah, yeah this yeah, place yeah. is so poor so desolate yeah, it's yeah. true people need well, to know just, the history of arkansas they, they might not know like arkansas 
came from a bunch Do you of remember people. One of the most tell- Ben, we're going to get back to yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. But on this topic, Mark Kenyon asked yeah. me about my mule trailer on his show, Deer Country. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he said, Clay, why are you riding around with this old beat up mule trailer? He said, Is it like a family heirloom or is there some like sentimental thing? And I said, Mark, I've been, my family's been in Arkansas for seven generations. And that is not enough time to pull yourself up from the dregs of poverty. <laughs> you can tell a lot about a man's expendable income by his mule trailer. Mm-hmm. Mark Kenyon, silent. <laughs> he, was proce- carry, he was processing carry on, that. Man. I'm very proud of you that you're a multi-generational. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, when, you, when I started hearing you introduce yourself like that, I wanted to start <laughs> counting it up. And I was yeah. like, I can't really count it up. I don't know. So I'm multi-generational. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, Hunted my whole life and loved to fish. And my fly fishing mentor is in the room. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The land bridge himself. This past year, Josh has has got me on fire for fly fishing. So um, really? I love it. Yeah. I, I didn't realize it. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And it's all thanks to this guy. I know that one of your girls hunts with you. I've seen her in pictures. I got two out of the three hunting with me now. Two out of the three hunting yeah. with you. Okay. Do any, there, any of them fish with you? Oh, they love oh, fishing. Yeah. They ben, love fishing. Ben bought a boat too, and kind of he's he fixed yeah. well, he fixed up a boat, sold it, bought another boat. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I kind of feel lied to because mm. uh, I didn't get taken fishing a lot. Mm. All right, I just going to just throw that out there. That wasn't mm-hmm. an experience I had. When I did have it, I was told I had to be quiet. Oh, no. Not by me. You know what? No, not by, I'm talking about like as a kid. I get it. And and now I see all these people taking their kids fishing, and I'm like, I know your kids. They're not quiet. <laughs> you think they were just looking for a reason I, for to you tell to be me quiet? That I had to be quiet. Never. <laughs> did, did people, let me ask you something, Misty. Did people tell you that when you were doing pretty much everything else? <laughs> yeah. Shopping, you know. It's true. You got to be quiet when you're shopping. Yeah, my, yeah. You can't let other other shoppers know what you're after. Or they'll take it from you. We traveled a lot. And there's a fun story where my brothers basically said, every time we went out to eat, <laughs> not a joke, Misty, you can't, we bet you can't stay quiet. Oh, no. The whole order or the whole this or the whole that. Are, they would, and so one time a waitress came up and she's like, "What are you doing?" I had three older brothers who just tormented me, and we, yeah, yeah, all in fun and games. But I was the only girl, and it was like I was their favorite. One of my brothers told my mom, "Mom, she's our chew toy." <laughs> <laughs> and so this waitress came up, and I wouldn't. I was pointing, and it was weird because I wasn't talking. Right. And finally, my mom said, "They said they want to see how long she can stay quiet for," and she's kind of trying to prove them wrong because like i'm the youngest child only girl this is the sort of thing and the woman felt really sorry for me because she had all older brothers so they announced over the big speakers at this restaurant <laughs> when after 20 minutes that they wanted to congratulate misty for being quiet for 20 minutes they brought wow. me this big huge sunday <laughs> no way. i felt vindicated my brothers got so mad i mean like so upset because my parents were like she does not have to share with y'all <laughs> That's good stuff. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It was a pretty good story. Kind of claimed to fame. I could be quiet for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I was told that a lot. That's then. what happens. So. <laughs> That's good stuff. And Shut you now up there's for... a Let Misty Talk campaign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's true. Going on yep. across the world. Yeah. Well, it's like ben, a good to have you. Uh, so, to, to, to Misty's left, to Ben's left, Misty. <laughs> That'd be Misty. Yes. She been Mis- chatting. To Misty's left, Gary Believer Newcomb. Yes, sir. Good to see you, man. Hey, thank you. Good to be here. Wearing his signature I, I, hat. I, I get, not every day, multiple times per week would not be an exaggeration of people sending me Black Panther stuff. 
nonstop. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm seeing a lot of it now too. You just on the internet. I mean, a guy go here, look here, Black Panther. Grandma saw it walking through the backyard. You know, that type deal. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's real. And in fact, They're I had a guy video. yesterday say, "Does Clay still believe that Black Panthers don't exist?" Are you serious? Yeah. Was yeah. he was it, he it, serious? It was, it, it was coy. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he introduced me to a buddy of his from college. He said, "Hey, here's here's the believer." Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so we got to laughing about that. But uh, so he actually he he thinks that like I'm in the wrong. Well, you know, he's not sure. And I said, "Well, Clay stays pretty close to the science." And I said, "Probably what we're seeing is pumice, or, you know, some you know painted something walking through there that's." Probably not a panther, but I still believe in them. <laughs> I was just trying to describe what you probably believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you're wearing a believer hat, which you usually do for the render. You know, Steve Rodella loves that hat. Does he? He wears it all the time. Really? Yeah, it he... feels pretty good on my head. Yeah. Speaking of hats, last night I got a text from, uh, I was coming home from Ohio, which is a foreshadowing of what's to come. Which I'm not, we're not going to talk about at all. He's looking mm -hmm. at me. Got it. Um, Message Misty, received. Let's, let's <laughs> see how long you can be quiet. No, Watch I'll be honest. Uh, she was all, already telling me stuff in the house. Yeah, right there. About <laughs> where I've been. And then I shut it let's down. Say, I shut it down. You did a good job Let's just that. say, Bear Grease fans, you're not going to want to miss the next one. You're not. <laughs> I mean, like, sincerely, you're not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, my friend... Um, Andrew Wills from Nashville, who has a band called Hawk and Horse, sent me a text message of a screen clip of a television with the Bengals Chiefs game, and there was a guy with a bear grease hat with his with his arm out, like saying like first down Bengals. And the, and they zoomed in on him for you know, he just stood out in the crowd. He was standing up and he had his arm out like this. And I assumed it was the call that was correct. It was right. first down. You know, they just mm -hmm. randomly get crowd shots. Well, they zoom in on this guy for just like two seconds. Right. And he's he's wearing a Bear Grease hat. I love it. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, my internet world just like lit up. People were just all over. <laughs> just like, Clay, I was watching the NFL. There was a dude with a Bear Grease hat. <laughs> really? And then uh, everybody chimed in about uh, what he was drinking. Which he was drinking. I, I couldn't even tell what he was drinking, but apparently it was some kind of beer, and people were going on and on about the beer he was drinking. And then he had a jersey, a Bengals jersey on, and so the people that lo love the Bengals were like, this guy, it should be president. Very sad. <laughs> number nine Bengals jersey. And then another, uh, then, uh, you know, people were like, great hat, but they ought to, you know, they ought to drive him over with a truck for wearing that jersey. You know, it, was, it just the place just like erupted. But I thought it was pretty cool that uh, he had a bear grease hat on. Which it, it was cool. I saw that. Yeah, the bear grease hat. And every time that I go somewhere, or just any time bear grease hat comes up, people tell me that they were in a public random place wearing their bear grease hat, and people stop them. And have had multiple people tell me that they've made friends in airports, restaurants, because they they talk to this guy that has a bear grease hat on, and they like have stuff in common with him. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, bear, yeah. They're like they bear they're grease. Like, bro, we're America. Bros. 
Yeah. So That's you're right. pulling one hat America at a time. One together. Hat at a time. Pulling America you, you're together. You're bringing us all together, man. Pulling That's America right. together, one hat at a time. Healing America. That's yeah. what we're going to put underneath <laughs> Bear Grease. <laughs> uh, hey, let's talk about your hats. Okay, continuing on with headgear. Josh, why don't you describe what I'm wearing? I, I from would the shoes say... Up. Pro- <laughs> I wish Actually, Brent was here. Brent he does is have so his extra good at tough, this. He does have his extra tough boots on. Yeah. Uh, kind of a milk chocolate brown. And then he's sporting these Cordura nylon overalls. Dan's Briar, these, these briar over, Proof overalls. These overalls are bad to the bone. They look pretty bad to the Did bone. Did you know that Dan's, Dan's hunting gear is... It's it's a company out of Ohio, and I watched wow. their video today. Oh, we're just Ohio heavy today. Yeah, and I bought it in Ohio <laughs> at a sporting goods store, and I went home and looked up Dan's. Dan's is based in Ohio, and these are handcrafted by the Amish. Really, hundred per one human being made this entire thing, mm. like the zippers, the stitching, the cutting, the buttons was made by one person in Ohio. Really? The, the Amish. Amish people. Wow. How do you know it was made by one person? Yeah. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. They, they say it's quality control. Like, they have they have people Interesting. that just make the whole thing, so they're able to, you know, when you pass off jobs, like, you yeah. do this, you do this, you do this, like, stuff could get right. missed, but they have real quality control. And I've never owned a thing of dance Hey, are before. those waiter boots that... that uh that Brent wears, are they dance too? Probably. There's a couple of kind of rough hunting, coon hunting, like gear. Dan's right. is one of them. Wix used to be one, but I don't okay. think Wix is business. And then Nightlight makes a a brand of bib, like briar britches, chap overalls. But these are waterproof, briar proof, like super tough. Mm. I'm a I'm a big awesome. fan. So. Yeah, carry on. And then we're down up, the, up to the shoulders. A, a shirt? The, uh, He's wearing a button-down shirt. The, the shoulders snap. are the front line of a man's physique. <laughs> <laughs> Mystique, excuse me. <laughs> Pearl snap shirt. Mm-hmm. But really the crowning glory of this outfit would be this fine, handcrafted by one person, coonskin hat. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whose who's hides were treed by none other than the one and only Fern Newcomb. The late Fern. The mm-hmm. late Fern Newcomb. Josh Josh made this coonskin hat for me. Josh yeah. is the one person. Josh yeah. is the one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. And it's it's a one size fits all hat. Did, did you come up with that design? I did. Did you really? Yeah. So yeah, basically, w- tell came, us how it is. Came yeah. to me in a Vision. laying awake one night. One night. Yeah, yeah but, I, it came, I, but it came to you. Yeah. Like from I, I just wanted of to. You. Yes, it did. <laughs> yes, it did. Okay. Um, yeah, I just wanted a hat that everybody could wear. It wouldn't have to be sized. So it has a liner inside of it. So it's a. It's a. D- describe to me how you made these. So it that the 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 actual fur part is made from one and a half hide. So you get the lid out of one. You can get the lid out of the half hide. Yeah. And then the sides and the tail come out of another hide. They're stitched together, and then the liner and the the sweatband inside the it's a satin liner with a leather sweatband um is an inside and they're all joined together with hand they're all hand stitched together um the the liner to the to the hide and uh yeah it looks really nice yeah so 
This one's got a beautiful long tail on it. It was a beautiful yeah. hide. Oh, it's so it's so warm, just noble, regal, elegant. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say this. We're probably so. I gave Josh uh, 36 coon hides, <laughs> that well, tanned coon hides, and we're gonna probably get like 12 hats out of them. I think so. Probably somewhere in that ballpark. Okay, and at some point, most likely, maybe it's possible, but probably will happen. I hope in the future. Probable. <laughs> this is good marketing. I'm certain <laughs> that it's likely that at some point they'll be for sale on themeatier.com. Whoa. Oh yeah. Um and uh th- we're not certain. And there and let me just tell <laughs> this you This is great marketing. It might be for sale. <laughs> let me tell you. They just keep be, your eye on the they, they aren't gonna be cheap. Page. They aren't gonna be cheap. If you were to buy a coonskin hat that you supplied the coons to to a custom furrier you'd pay like 300 bucks for a good coonskin hat so it's not like so you know, when dad saw it he was like oh 60. yeah man i'd pay 75 bucks for that and I, was, I was like i bet you would uh no you think you think a coonskin hat would be cheap but fur is actually takes a lot of skill you know that josh has like three hours in building this and then it costs money to tan the hides and then um and, and we're not doing it to make money and are do you are you counting the hours that it took to actually harvest these coons no that's just free labor just i'm giving it back to america Mm. (laughs) just just part of the mission sewing into america America. one hat at a time i mean it just keeps it keeps coming back to that we're gonna we're probably gonna be raising some money for some special things through selling these hats this is like this this, is this, truly this episode could not be more vague yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey but one question all these coons came from fern right abs- absolutely Every yeah so my so all the all these hides were were treed by Newcomb's ozark bluff creek fern r.i.p the late Newcomb's yep. ozark bluff creek fern so about three weeks ago you would have seen it on instagram if you follow me on instagram but yeah, uh, Fern died. I wasn't ready to talk about it. We had a render the day afterwards, yep. and I just, it was too soon. But now it's been about three, four weeks, three weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she was eight years old. She, it, yeah, it was it was unfortunate. She died a little bit premature. It's complications with her lichiosis. We live mm. in, the, in Arkansas and in the hub of the Fort Smith area, which is where there's an Air Force base called Fort Chaffee. I've heard this from multiple sources and actually heard it from a vet, a veterinarian. So, I mean, I tell this story for truth that ehrlichiosis is a tick-borne illness that is like Lyme's disease, Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Humans can get it. Any mammal can get it. And ehrlichiosis like is endemic to, what's that? A dolphin could get it. That's a great question. If there's tree and coons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those tree, coon, and dolphins. and you get thought, Josh. Ehrlichiosis is a disease, a tick-borne disease that is endemic to Southeast Asia, hmm. and the the hub. Have you heard this before, Ben? Well, I know where you're going with it now, but yeah. well, the hub of where they were bringing service dogs back from Vietnam was Fort Chaffee, so they were taking dogs into Vietnam, bringing the dogs back, and basically these dogs brought maybe Gary ticks brought it back from Southeast when he was Asia. In Vietnam. I mm-hmm. think it was Dad. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you do a tick what? check before you got on the airplane? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> hey, well. Might explain the hallucinations. When you came back from Vietnam, Panthers. 
you you'd had a motorcycle wreck. I I was all bandaged up. You look like a war hero. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of kind of crazy. Why did you, tell me about? Okay, we got. Let me finish this thought, but we got to go back to that. I'll help. The remember so ehrlichiosis. Mm-hmm. The further you get away from Fort Smith, the less likely that you're influenced by ehrlichiosis. But like, there's like a heat spot within about 200 miles of Fort Smith that like almost every dog. This is an exaggeration, but close to true like almost every dog in this region is going to have some amount of ehrlichiosis Hmm. and two years ago fern almost died before we figured out what was wrong with her and we got her on antibiotics and treated her and the older she got she would go through spells of when this ehrlichiosis would flare up and you can't really cure it you carry it your whole life but when it flares up you get on doxycycline and steroids and different things and basically, I was gone for eight days, and when I came back, um, she was just down. And, you know, you just almost wouldn't have noticed it unless you just were really paying attention. And uh, it, it took me a day or two to realize, yeah, she doesn't look good. And basically, it was just too late. And we get, we got her on doxycycline and got her on everything, and uh, basically, we, I couldn't bring her back from it. Wow. And she She kind of... I mean, you could, she was aging. Yeah, she, she was not she the was same. Eight years old. She was not the same fern that she was two years before when she had a bad flare up of it. So she, I think, I think there's a little bit of you know the stages of grief, part of the denial and the bargaining and all that. I think there's a little denial about her baseline was mm. pretty, pretty poor the last couple yeah. of years. I mean, yeah. I think. But she she hunted up until I mean hunted good up until last winter. Yeah, even this summer I hunted her this summer. Yeah, I'm not saying she couldn't hunt. I'm just saying I think that Clay feels like if he'd have been here, he could have fixed this. I'm not sure he could have. Right. I'm not sure. I'm write a song about this. this is, it'd be a heartbreaker. If I'd have been there. <laughs> Man, there's an old country song about Feed Jake. Yeah, but that was the owner the, the died. The owner died. Yeah, a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's, it, it, was, it really was sad for me. Fern was the best coon dog I've ever owned. And she came around, it was almost by accident that I got her. And she was such a good dog for me. She really, For me, she was. And uh, so it was, it was hard to lose her. It was. It was. But, uh, but I'm, I'm hunting a new young dog, and we're already gathering up some coons. Does it's, she treat some? Yeah, yes and no. Not really all by herself, but I've been hunting her, and we've been bringing coons home in the back of the truck. Let me just say it that way. What's her name? Hoot. Hoot, hoot. That's good. Yeah. She a couple. It's Fern's niece. Yeah. So Fern's brother is the sire of Hoot. I'll see if I can find the video. She got her name because we put a video up of her on Instagram. She had the funniest. She's the barkingest dog we've ever had. Mm. And we, when she was a newborn, we brought her inside, and she would she would get going, and then she would kind of howl like a barred owl. She would sound the way she would. It was it was real funny. We so yeah, we got a lot of hope. Hope for Hoot twenty three. <laughs> mm, that's uh, that's the campaign. Hashtag hope for Hoot. Yeah, yeah. If you if you if you want to tag us me on that on Instagram, go for it. Hope for Hoot twenty three. It's all we got, man. <laughs> uh, and we've still got Jed, which the world Bear Hunting Magazine people would know. Jed, Jed was the dog that I used to make videos videos of that would jump up on my desk and everything. And man, I tell you what. Yeah, it's you learn, a sweet you dog. learn a lot about a dog, and I think you learn. I mean, maybe you could learn this about people. Jed, if you turn Fern and Jed loose, 
and they went and treated a coon, you would think Jed was a top-notch coon dog because <laughs> he's going to strike with fern. He's going to run with fern. He's going to be there every breath. He's going to tree. He's going to – you're just saying, man, I got two fine coon dogs until one of them – until fern's gone. And Jed – he can't tree a coon for the life of himself. <laughs> he really can't. He tries hard too, man. It's almost like he's confused. Like he burns out of there and he's like, here we go. Winter 22. Let's go. Coon season. Yeah. And then he goes out there and like he runs backtracks and he can't. It, there's all kind of things going on in coon hunting that, that a dog has to be able to do. They got to know which way to run the track. They got to be able to uh, be able to locate the tree. And Jed, he just can't do it, man. My favorite part about hunting with Jed, though, that's great, is that he 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 likes to show off. He's real athletic, and he likes to he likes he's to a climber and a he, runner, and he likes to leap. Trees. He likes to like get on a hillside and try to leap towards the tree. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a beautiful thing to watch. Like you're out there in the evening, and you've just got a coon light out there, and you see that silhouette of that dog jumping from the side. I've of got the pictures. Hill. I love of Jed. it. No less than like twelve feet up a like almost straight oak tree. Really, he'll he'll just run and hit that tree and just, just scramble. <laughs> well, up he doesn't have a great nose, but he's got a lot of enthusiasm. What they do when they get up there is they just kind of push off the tree and then just come down and land. And uh, it's actually dangerous. He's a climber, so lots of dogs get killed. Oh, lots of dogs get killed by being climbers because they if you have a slanted tree that a coon's in. Uh-huh. They they'll catwalk and get way up in the top of a tree. Brent was actually on a hunt where a dog died that had climbed a tree. Well, that's so really sad. So Jed uh, Jed's only fallen out of a tree a couple times. I've seen. Might be why he can't tree a coon now. As a parent, nothing keeps me up at night more than the idea of something happening to my children. But if something happens to me and I'm not around to protect them, that's a true nightmare. Having term life insurance for myself is crucial because I can rest easier knowing my children and loved ones can have some financial support even if I'm not there. That's where Fabric by Gerber Life comes in. Having life insurance just gives me that extra confidence throughout the day knowing that my family will be financially cared for if something bad happened to me. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You can be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com bear. That's meetfabric.com bear. M-E-E-T, fabric.com bear. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Whitetail Institute launched the food plot revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter-acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. 
Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR for 15% off. The old timers say that the turkeys start gobbling when the leaves are as big as squirrel's ears and the red buds start popping. And we're about there. And we are there in the south. The Onyx Hunt app is one of my most valuable tools in the spring woods. With tools like coniferous versus deciduous tree distribution layer, you can save time by locating edges or transition areas of mixing habitats from home. Find an area like this with water in close proximity, and more than likely, there will be a goblin turkey nearby. Knowing the exact boundaries of private ground ensures I stay on the right side of the fence, but can easily find public ground to go see if I can't strike a gobbler. If you do get one to sound off, using compass mode and waypoints will help you pinpoint his exact location, allowing you to move in and make the perfect setup to bring him right into your lap. Download the Onyx Hunt app today. You'll be glad you did. Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this spring. Dad, Vietnam, when you came home, you had a motorcycle wreck. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Well, it, you know, I can make this story real short or I can make it real long. <laughs> make it as long as you want. Okay. Well, we had a buddy when we were in the States that wanted to be a war hero. He had a buddy killed in Vietnam and he tried and tried to get in something where he could fight. He really wanted to be a helicopter pilot, wanted to be a warrant officer. And, uh, it, he couldn't get through. I mean, he had a degree from university of Missouri, one of the smartest guys you've ever met, great personality. And so once they put him in the post office with me, he kind of devoted his whole career to just monkey with people. You know, it was real fun. <laughs> <laughs> to be with him and uh he was smarter than most of the officers so i mean he could he, he could do cool stuff to us well anyway after he got out of a french dungeon when we were in germany we my but other buddy we're already in vietnam so french we dungeon well he got picked up for doing some stuff it wasn't too good <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh and so anyway, his dad was an attorney. He came over. Oh, so he straight up got arrested. Yeah, I mean, France. yeah, it's pretty serious stuff. <laughs> okay. I mean, to us as GIs, it was, you know, it wasn't yeah. bad, but to, to the world it was. Yeah. So anyway, we get to Vietnam and we get him shipped over to us. Yeah. So we're all at this post office and we got a one-man post office up in Way, the Ted of 68, where all the fighting was going on. And this was in 69. And so... We told, told ourselves, if you'll get this guy in here, we'll have him behave as long as you're here. Once you lo- leave, you know, two, three weeks or a month, we'll turn him loose. Okay, so the, the boss man was going to be there for three more weeks. Something like that. And you, you, you requested well, a well, favor. Well, yeah, he was kind of our buddy. He was captain. And you said, hey, get this guy hey, here. If you, you get him here, we promise you he'll, he'll behave until you leave. <laughs> and so once he leaves... Quint takes over, man. I mean, this guy, I'll tell you his name. I'd love for, we've tried to contact him. We think he's probably dead. He was so crazy. Uh, but so he gets 
in the post office in way, one man post office. I mean, this is going to be a zoo. Well, we're at the big post office in Fubai, and I mean, we just can't wait to see what he's going to be up to. After about six months, three months maybe, he's got an apartment downtown, which you can't even get off the compound. I mean, it, you get there in a, in a vehicle, you stay there. Right. You don't even get off the base. Well, he's got an apartment downtown. When you go into his hooch, he's got stuff from the commissary. He's fixed to open a restaurant. <laughs> I mean, this is, he never, Amer- this is an American GI yeah, in Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. He's got a business in way. Well, he hadn't opened it, but he's got the merchandise there. He's, re- he's, getting, he's planning where he's going to do it, and now he's going to pull it off, and he's going to get to run it. But he does have the apartment, and I spent the night with him one night. I mean, you could hear gunfire in the streets. Um, so anyway, he he buys a Honda ninety and a Honda fifty. I mean, this guy's in Vietnam, <laughs> yeah. and of course we're in Vietnam, and we're so bored that we just had to create stuff, you know, to to get us through. Well, here Quince got this apartment. And two motorcycles. <laughs> so on this the is way, it, off of the base, and you know you're not even supposed to leave the base. Yeah, it, well, he he had he had stuff we would dress up in. He called it Korean outfits. We'd put on Korean hats, and we would walk off the base, even though we were bigger than Koreans, and we could get off the base. And he he had little ways, and he could get us back to this shop where he had these motorcycles, and then we'd go ride these motorcycles all day. And um, come spend the night in his apartment. <laughs> and so, anyway, we're just out. And he took us out into the Ashaw Valley. We'd go to restaurants. We thought we were going to a restaurant one time, and it was uh, it was actually a family reunion. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, I mean, that that was pretty comical. And so, and I, and I remember this. I, I've heard these stories about whole life. They go to this place that they think is a restaurant. There's all these people eating and all this food set out, and they, like, walk in. And y'all, like, start eating, right? Well, I mean, they they brought us food. They brought you food. Yeah. And then you, like, were, yeah. like, hoping to pay for it, and they're, like. It, and one, it's, this older guy was a, what they called an opium freak. And Quint, well, he could relate to him, you know. Quint's, Quint can talk enough. And finally, Quint looks over at us and goes, hey, this is a family reunion, and they're, they're glad we're here. And so, so they brought us little things to drink and some little rice and stuff, and then we leave, and we just come out of the Ashaw Valley. If you know what the Ashaw Valley is, all this Agent Orange, that's where all the fighting, I mean, they were, they were in the Ashaw Valley, those Viet Cong. And we go, Quint, we, you know, are you sure we can ride these motorcycles? In Ashaw Valley, and he goes, oh, yeah, man. He said, we'll just hit the edge of it and come around to this restaurant. And, you know, we run into uh, infantry guys in the back of a deuce and a half, and we pull up behind them. And, you know, they're all sitting there like this, and they look back, and they just loved it. They just went berserk. When they saw that, when it they was, saw that we were on mo- four guys on motor on two and, motorcycles, and they reckon, they they were like, "Hey, oh, those there were are our four guys. of you on two motorcycles." Yeah, two, four of us on two motorcycles, <laughs> <laughs> a Honda ninety and a Honda fifty. So I mean, Whee! we're we're, driving through <laughs> we're seeing big Buddhas about the size of your house back in the jungles. I mean, oh, wow. it is a treat for a guy locked up in Vietnam. I mean, it's just yeah. like the most freedom I'd ever felt. So. We'd play little games, little. We'd race and we'd chase, and uh, and uh, so Quint would drive one, I'd drive the other one, and then we had buddies on the back. 
And so my buddy, he, uh, you know, I just thought I'd slap him with a limb, you know, just be driving down the road and hit a tree like this. Kind of lean out. Yeah, from yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. lean back and I was going to slap him with a tree limb. Yeah. Well, there's Constantina wire in it, and it took our motorcycle. Oh man! No. It just skipped us down the highway, and my arm was all messed up. So, like barbed wire, Constantina like, wire, like that stuff like, they would use yeah, to keep up. people out. Wow! So yeah. it just like skid skidded yeah. y'all down the road. Yeah, yeah. And this must have been right before you went home. It was. And so I had to go to the. How'd uh, you explain infirmary. that? Yeah. At the at the infirmary. <laughs> Oh, I don't remember that part, but I know when I went home, I, I was bandaged from here down, and I've got a picture of me coming off the plane with my arm bandaged up. So, oh wow, anyway, we had we, you know, Vietnam was was not good, but we we made the best of it. Yeah, your buddy could have been an undercover CIA or something doing yeah. some high level operations yeah. in the city. Oh, yeah, that, I mean, yeah. he had the pretty good cover. to do anything yeah. really. Yeah. Well, and I mean, back circling full circle here, folks, like we don't know if dad did a chick tick check or not when he came back. So he may have brought the ticks back from East Asia or Lichiosis, Fern, coon, coonskin hat. Here we are back again in the render. Bear Grease wow. podcast. That well, was a great. Taking great you on a journey there. tonight. Yeah, it was a long way to get there. Mm-hmm. But here we are. At Bear Grease, <laughs> the Bear Grease Render. And kudos to Ben for bringing it back to the actual yeah. topic of the render. Yes. Now, I was actually dead serious. Like, what if he really was an undercover guy doing some high-level stuff? I mean, Yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we knew he wasn't. <laughs> that's what they all said about RT, too. Okay, so this third Secret Agent Man podcast. I uh, let, me, let me say that when I went to Ohio to meet with RT Stewart, you never know what you're going to get into. That's what's so wild about what I'm doing is I, I envision this being one podcast. You, you, you just don't know how someone's going to respond to, or just if they're, if they're going to give you a lot or give you a little, or just how it's going to go. And, and when I was with RT, I, I spent three and a half hours with him, just talking nonstop. And I knew, I was like, this is really good. There's a lot of story here. And so, you know, we were able to make three full podcasts. So just a review, if you've not heard them, the, the first one was called Secret Agent Man, R.T. Stewart, which was a big high-level overview of R.T.'s life as an undercover agent, kind of what they did, how they did it. And it ended in a climactic moment of me asking R.T., was it worth it? Like all that you had to do, R.T. talked about the difficulties he had with family, and, and he said no. And that was like a really unique podcast. The mm-hmm. second podcast was about, it was called Secret Age Man, Operation Redbud, Part 2. And that was about the biggest sting that they ever did, which was the largest turkey, turkey poaching sting in, in the U.S. at the time. The third one was called Secret Agent Man, Instinct. And it was really, really what happened from a functional level is that I had built these two podcasts, but I still had multiple disconnected, really fun stories from RT that I couldn't fit in the other ones. So, but, I, but I really wanted to tell those parts of the story. And then I'd also interviewed Dr. Matthew Sharps, um, which I need to make a correction. I said he was from... Um, Fresno? I, I, I stated the wrong 
university that he was from. He's from uh, California. I believe he's from California State. Uh, somebody look up where <clears throat> Dr. Matthew Sharps is a professor of. I need to make a correction there. But he gave basically what I was trying to do in the stories that, that were told about RT was that he, he just had an uncanny ability to get out of situations. And then I started asking Dr. Matthew Sharps about that, about how humans respond under stress and when we go on autopilot, what happens? And he starts talking about scripts, script violations, and how there's a whole lot of stuff that's built inside of us at a DNA level that we feel like is unconscious and unplanned, but it's actually like really deep inside of us. Um, and he gave some really unique examples that didn't directly relate to RT, but showed us that we are flowing at a whole level of 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 action sometimes that we do, we don't even connect to conscious thought for instance like him saying that uh that humans have an innate built into them in their dna desire to be near cover at, at dark. dark yep did y'all think that was interesting? That, that was, very was interesting. fascinating. I thought the part about like even paintings, like we have yeah. like pre- preferential, yeah, taste yeah. inside of paintings that we want people to. Yeah, I thought that was that was super fascinating. Yeah, I mean that's that's at a DNA level. But if you if you think about it, envision yourself with your family out in a big giant field, and it starts to get dark. Like you, I mean, I guess you could rationalize stand in the middle of the field, but like you're like. I don't know. We I'd want to be near cover. We need to get. We need to get some cover. Oh, and where you could climb yeah. to safety. Yeah, and that's what he said. He said because we used to have to watch out for big cats. It, I mean, some people in Arkansas and Alabama still do. Black panthers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's probably I, a little stronger in us that that sixth sense. Cal yeah. State. Cal State in Fresno. California State in Fresno is yeah. where Dr. Matthew Sharp started. He was a neat guy. He was a fun guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what you said, wasn't it? Well, I said it on the first one. The second one, I said a different one. Okay. And somebody called me out on it. I I was really fascinated by a human's ability to, uh, three times, like your ability to memorize tracks. That was interesting. In in his test sample were like urban urban students, which was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good research. I'm I'm glad there's guys researching stuff like that. Yeah. What I thought when I heard that, I was like, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It just it just makes you wonder how much uh, how much we really are flowing. Did it make sense when I did the the spot on uh, supernatural? Did that make sense in why I was saying that? It it does to me. I, uh, <laughs> Everybody's quiet. Mr. I was going to say yeah. the same thing. It does to me. I mean, it does to me because I think that that's I can I, you know, I think from our worldview, there's and that's what I was thinking as I was listening to this. You know, I definitely, we have space inside of our worldview for a spiritual, a spiritual component of our life. And, and, you know, like I think, I don't know if like doctrinally, if that's the right word to use, but like we believe there's a spirit, soul, and body, and that these are three aspects of a human being. And we do things to intentionally make, you know, make our spirit alive and, Mm -hmm. and, and active and, and a dynamic part. So I feel like, when I was listening to that, I was thinking there's for sure things that have happened that are in the supernatural realm that yeah. I've experienced personally. And I would have a hard time separating those things 
from what they described as like these DNA encoded. Well, that's, that was kind of my point was that there are mechanisms that describe things that maybe someone would have attributed as a sixth sense or something supernatural. And then you could go, well, turns out it wasn't supernatural. Turns out this is a result of, you know, just humans being on the landscape for how long. And and all I was saying yeah. was I absolutely believe that. But I was saying the mechanism of how this stuff happens does not negate for me another right. thing that I'm not talking about, which and I was just like, I absolutely believe in the ability for someone to get information that absolutely doesn't come from here and doesn't come from our DNA, but comes from a divine source. That's all I was saying. Because well, yeah. I, I guess that the next train of thought was like, oh, shoot, there's no such thing as instinct. Instinct is just built into our DNA. We're actually tapping into some unseen database of intel that's making us move. The way that I always summarize this kind of struggle you're talking about between like science and spirituality is that they're not mutually exclusive. They they answer different questions. Like science addresses the how and the spirituality addresses the why. Yeah. So when I, when I hear stuff about that and you know, we can trace this anthropologically to blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, to me that just answers the how and, but it could still be some divine source. That's one thing I love about bear grease is it, to me, when you try to whittle everything down to this, you know, super scientific re- rationale, it actually kind of simplifies, oversimplifies it. Yeah. Because it, there, it, there were scientific traceable uh, evidence and conclusions that were being brought up in that episode. But to me, that doesn't negate how amazing it is. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, look at this ability, these social abilities that we have because of our large brains, because of however long we've been here, whatever, it's pretty incredible. And to see that go from this ancient context to now this guy, you know, in this context of undercover. Yeah. It, it, to me, it just, I like the whole series because it just showed me just how unexplainable our, our minds are and unexplainable people are. And to me, yeah. it's just a really cool series. What about, when he uh, go ahead, Misty. What were you going to say? Well, I, Let Misty talk. Twenty three. I was just going to say. I think one of the things you know he talked about these fight or flight instincts kind of brought that on, mm-hmm. and this guy was putting himself in an incredibly dangerous situation. And one of the things that I think about a lot is that just how people over time that spiritual component, that sixth sense, whatever you call it, has become numb, or more so than it was a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because of philosophies of thought that have shifted and that say, well, that's actually not even, you know, if it's not measurable, visible, these are things it's, if it's Observable, intangible, we don't, yeah, all those things, it doesn't, then exist. it doesn't exist. So that's part of that. Part of it is that society has shifted in most parts in a lot of parts of the world to where we're not in such a survival state. And, and one of the things that I think is, is interesting and interesting question to ask is, have those things numbed us to the point and, and numbed our kids and the kids that are growing up now to the point that they are going to have to, it, it's hard. You have to make space for that yeah. aspect of your, of your life to come alive. And this guy basically created that space by putting himself into like a wild situation. Yeah. In a wild situation. And if the, if the structures of life were tore down around us, we'd all get real spiritual real quick. Yeah. 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 I, I watched my bees last week. We had like 70 degree weather 
all week long. And and the way they acted the night that it was going to drop to 20 from like have that 50 degree, which is a big deal, was interesting to me. Just like watching them. They were out and alive, but they were kind of crazy. They were, bees can be peaceful or they can be agitated. And they were agitated. And I, you know, you hear all these stories about the birds before that big tsunami, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that the mm-hmm. birds kind of, and all the animals retreated from the coast. It's yeah. almost like they knew. So there was some definite biological things. But I, I think I have like real specific examples, even of, of you, of like being concerned for you or not concerned, where I, f- I did feel like it was a spiritual thing. Yeah. And, and, but I also feel like, I don't know, you make yourself more open to that realm or. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, it was, it, 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 it was interesting. I also thought it was interesting when he said that humans can, oh, they yeah. can pick out a serial killer just by looking in their eyes. Now he said he, they didn't know they were serial killers, but if you gave uh, an eye gate image of like, right. 10 people, you would be like that guy and that guy. I don't trust. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, some percentage of the time, a, a high percentage of the time they're yeah. like, well, okay, those two guys are serial killers. That's what, what I tried to describe, Incredible. which was kind of hard to do, but think about an actual image of someone's eyes. Like env- envision just like a cropped photo where all you could see was eyebrows over and, you know, maybe under the eyes, like two inches across the bridge of the nose. What would be different about that between people? What does I a mean, serial like, killer have? It's, it's. I mean, literally, like you, you could draw it out and you could say, well, his eyes were slightly closed more. His pupils were bigger. The Gary Newcomb's always looking up pupils. He is. I walk into dad's house and he hadn't seen me in a You've been smoking marijuana. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I walked into his house the other day after being hunting and he hadn't seen me in a while. And I can always tell when dad hadn't seen me in a while, he just stares at me for a long time. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, you look like you're on drugs. <laughs> And I was like, actually, your mother nope. brought that up. You really didn't. But I do notice certain people. In fact, uh, I know it's not always true because I've seen it in two or three people that I know aren't on drugs, but their pupils are about this big. Right, right. Hey, let me say something about what you're talking about, uh, all this spiritual stuff and, and six senses and things. Uh, you know, I, I really liked this guy. Your your PhD guy. I mean, and I think what he's saying there's a lot of truth to it. But there's another side of that thing that the boy missed, mm. and that is that when I raised you guys, Judy and I did, we would not allow y'all to fight and argue, and it took something away from you where when you got out in society, you weren't as equipped as other kids to verbally defend yourself even though i never saw it but mm-hmm. i just know there's a reason it's so consistent within kids to scuffle and argue and learn how to be a defense attorney mm-hmm. i mean they they mm-hmm. really do mm-hmm. i think and so he was raised up with two or three older brothers so his whole life he rt rt rt, RT is he is he is spending a great amount of time trying to survive. He's learning how probably now not necessarily with you guys, but a lot of kids. You know, if you're brought up in the ghettos, you learn how to lie to the police, you learn how to tell stories, you learn how to 
get out of stuff. You know, he he was he was learning how to think real quick on his feet. Mom, I didn't do that. You know, I mean, he learned this stuff as he was sure. growing up. So he was very well equipped to handle things quick. Yeah. Or his brothers were going to beat him up. Yeah, because his brothers were fighters. And whether you believe and it or wasn't. not, there's a lot to that. He trained his whole life for this. Mm. Just, you know, he was a fighter. He was an interesting guy. You know, he's in law enforcement. I mean, you know, I mean, he's, so, I mean, he's, uh, if you're going to survive as a little kid and you got an older brother, you know what it was like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's, I think that that's a pretty good, a pretty good yeah. point that you're, the, and, and it wasn't like this guy was living a real protected life i mean the stories that he told about his life the coal mines and all that yeah, yeah. and when he's when they asked him how many fights he got in and he's 40, like oh yeah. not many was 40. that on this episode yeah that was on yeah. this episode oh that was one of my favorite yeah. stories yeah 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 yeah, yeah. only 40 only so, only so you 40. know 40 fights how many times did he have to defend himself in front of a parent or a police officer or a school teacher or you know his girlfriend somebody right know? right he had to explain so, himself. i mean he had to go wait a minute now wait a minute you know and whether you know he had to be quick on his feet yeah so, yeah, he I, did. I think what I hear you saying is that before you try to jump to all these big biological conclusions, maybe look at a guy's immediate family and there you, you can probably get a lot of. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely saw that a lot when I used to teach in public school and it was kind of sad, but you could watch uh, a family and you could watch boys and, and, and girls growing up and be like, man, I, I don't want them to end up in prison, but man, it's going to take a lot of inter- invention but for these behaviors to stop. Mm-hmm. And so those patterns are pretty traceable and there's a there's a movie that Opie Taylor was in in uh The Courtship of Eddie's Father. Did y'all see that? Yeah, uh, my mom liked all these old movies and in it he was trying to explain to his dad what made a good woman, the type of what he was his dad was a widower and his is Rich Richie Cunningham. Ron What's his actual Ron name? Howard? Ron Howard, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, but Opie's a little boy, and he describes like squinty eyes are the kind of woman you don't want. He describes some other characteristics as well. Uh-huh. But uh, the ki- kind women were the ones with the round eyes, and it's real funny. It's oh. really, You should find that clip and play it because it's He's actually. Right, didn't he? It's really funny. In, and you he have was, round eyes. Oh, okay. Well, not a bad girl. Not, not okay, really, but... actually. <laughs> hey, what about the movie? Uh, I'm real bad at remembering the name of movies, but. Uh, this older smart mafia guy was giving this young kid some advice. He said, when you date this girl tonight, let me tell you what, you, uh, you take her to your car to her, and you open the door and you get her in, you close the door. Then you go to your side and make sure the door is locked on your side. When you come to the door, pull out your key to unlock. If she doesn't unlock that door, just take her home. She, you know, and, and so anyway, that's... What was he saying? Well, he, he was just saying if that girl has not got enough smarts to look over and see the door's locked and care enough about you to reach over and unlock it, <laughs> take her home. And, of course, mm. it made a lot, lot of sense when you watch the movie. But uh, <laughs> So there's little things that you can watch for. Girls that wear rubber boots are always really good wives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> got a yes. Cashmere sweaters and fancy <laughs> pants and shirts and rubber boots. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so there were, there were multiple stories. That the I think one of the best stories was when he was buying walleye from a guy near Lake Erie. So Ohio, I'm now like mm-hmm. an Ohio expert. Wow. 
I find I really connect with these guys from Ohio. Ohio's a pretty rough place. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's a there, it, the, the Appalachian so, Trail to Ohio. What do they call that? The mm-hmm. they call that highway that runs from. I don't think it goes through Ohio. No, it does. It lands in Ohio. It's where people migrated away when the when they were trying to get work outside the coal mines, and they landed in Ohio. Mm. Oh, what do they call it? We're mm. out of our lane here. Okay. Um, the, the uh, he was he was buying illegally caught perch. There was a big thing going on where guys were catching perch and selling it illegally. Which have you illegal. ever eaten yellow perch? No. Have you ever eaten walleye? Yeah, yeah, walleye. Those are two of the best eaten yellow fish. perches. Too. Oh man. Okay. Our our friend Troy Booth made us perch, uh, made us fish tacos out of perch one day. Really, it was delicious. Yeah, I kind of was wondering, like around here, a perch is not a like a great. You know, people eat them, we eat them. I mean, whatever, but it's not. You wouldn't die for a perch out of the pond over here, uh, or brim as we call them. But, a perch is something different. I think. Oh, it is. It, yeah. it is totally different. Yeah, it was but delicious. Buying perch, buying buying these yellow perch, and. The guy, they're at a party, and you hear a bigger story. Chip told a real condensed version. They're at a big party, of, and these guys are, like, pretty wealthy. and But they're selling a ton of perch illegally, and, and RT's buying it, and he's a known buyer. He's been buying it, buying it, buying it, buying it, just racking up tickets for them. He would, uh, he would weigh every – when they would sell him fish – that he would go, you know, they would say like, "This is here's two pounds of fish," and RT would be like, "Are you sure?" And he'd get his scale out and weigh it and document it, <laughs> to write it down right in front of him. Yeah, yeah, and be like, <laughs> "Okay, that's actually two point seven pounds. Thank you for the extra, you know, whatever." <laughs> but the guy says, "How do I know you're not a you're not a game warden?" And uh, and then RT jumps up, yells at the guy, and says, "I think you're the bleeping game mm-hmm. warden." He says, I tell you what, take off all your clothes. And RT starts taking his clothes off, drops his pants down to his ankles, pulls his shirt off, throws his shirt on the ground, standing there with his pants at his ankles, shirt off, at a party, yelling at this guy, demanding that he take his clothes off so he can see if he's carrying a wire. And the dude, the guy that thinks RT is a game warden is just like, chill out, man. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, uh, and then RT's wearing a cowboy hat, and he's wearing the wire under his cowboy hat. Love it. I mean, I thought it was so cool uh, that Sharps, he told me what that was. It was a script violation. Yeah, yeah there you go. That, that was really interesting was. to me because I've actually seen that. We've all seen that yeah. take place in our lives. That's where these little kids learn this stuff. The really sharp kids, you know – Mama jumps them on them for something. They go, well, Susie just shot the game warden, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, then what? So she's this girl's free, you know. Script she's violation. Yeah, script violation. Y'all like how I encourage people to try it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I I'm gonna. I, I. I. was waiting for the right moment, but I, I said it. Sometimes people ask you for stuff that you can't give them, and so you gotta you gotta find a way out. Script you know, violation. I, I think the thing about kids, Mike, in our family, we knew if we could make our mom laugh. So you would be getting in huge trouble. But yeah. if you could make, because yeah. she's got a weak spot. <laughs> if you make that woman laugh, you could get out of anything. <laughs> and your brothers are all funny. And they, well, that's why they're funny. Now. My brothers are all funny. I'm hilarious. I'm, I'm, assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming that you never did anything wrong, Misty. I didn't and do anything wrong. And had to get anything, yeah. get out of it. Yeah. 
You know, whenever I look at pictures of my kids from the past year or even just a few months ago, I'm so amazed at how fast they're growing up. And then it hits me hard. I'm getting older too. That's why planning for my family's financial security has become a top priority. Making sure we're prepared and having enough life insurance in case something unexpected happens and I'm out of the picture is crucial. And Fabric by Gerber Life makes it simple to get the protection that's right for your family. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents and for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. You could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash bear. That's M-E-E-T fabric.com slash bear meetfabric.com slash bear policies issued by western southern life assurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions whitetail institute launched the food plot revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com, and use code BEAR for 15% off. The old-timers say that the turkeys start gobbling when the leaves are as big as squirrel's ears and the red buds start popping, and we're about there, and we are there in the south. The Onyx Hunt app is one of my most valuable tools in the spring woods. With tools like coniferous versus deciduous tree distribution layer, you can save time by locating edges or transition areas of mixing habitats from home. Find an area like this with water in close proximity, and more than likely, there will be a goblin turkey nearby. Knowing the exact boundaries of private ground ensures I stay on the right side of the fence, but can easily find public ground to go see if I can't strike a gobbler. If you do get one to sound off, using compass mode and waypoints will help you pinpoint his exact location, allowing you to move in and make the perfect setup to bring him right into your lap. Download the Onyx Hunt app today. You'll be glad you did. Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this spring. Okay, the other one was, uh, so the script violation, like, I thought that was really good. Yeah. The other one was, he's sitting around a card table, and there's been a bald eagle that's been killed. Yeah, that I thought was that was crazy. The, that was something. The poachers go, are setting him, he doesn't know it, but they say... We know who killed that bald eagle. And RT never lifted his eyes off his cards. 
Yeah, he's they were playing poker, and he just just never paid any mind to it. And and then you know, two weeks later, the guys go, "Man, we thought you were a game warden." And that's why we said that eagle thing. <laughs> they laugh. I mean, crazy. That is pretty that's, crazy. That's pretty good to me. That was the that to me that story was the told the most about his complexity. Mm. Like for a person to have all that confidence and fearlessness, yet the self-control in that moment. That to me was really interesting. Like the script violation, like comedians do that stuff all the time to be funny. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to have a friend in college and if you're parked in front of those concrete barriers, he had a big old Jeep. He'd always, instead of, you think you're going to about to back up, he'd drive over it. You know, it's just <laughs> hilarious. All It was always doing something weird like that. But in that moment, I, I want to know what went through his brain in those milliseconds to know that would have put him in danger. I want to know that too. That's, that's what I, when I was listening to this one, just listening to him talk, I thought, you know, RT's a fun guy, like did, did a big service, but he kind of rough. I mean, he, some of the, when he was talking about his stories, I thought I, I, I could have gone to high school with this guy. I mean, like I know people like him who were just smart, but, but pretty rough. And that really uniquely equipped him for, for this and I couldn't help but think how much of this was just like you just kind of learned to shut yeah. your mouth and not say like maybe he wasn't being strategic in that moment maybe he was and looking back he's like oh that was really strategic not to discount what he did right. but just like maybe you just kind of know how to handle yourself around rough people well and and he even said he, you said you and you were a master at that and he said well I didn't know it at the time but looking back I was well, pretty good at it. Isn't isn't that the way that people do things though? Is that they? Yeah, he he wouldn't have thought I was good at this. Yeah, like, like he just was doing what he knew how to do, and and then you know, thirty years later, when you kind of examine what he did, you're like, yeah, that's that's pretty good. I mean, that that's kind of the way a lot of stuff works. I mean, that's the way guys in in wars often they come back from a war. And there's like, dude, we were just doing what we we're supposed to do, and it was terrible, but then. You know, you dive into what they did, and it's like that was pretty heroic. That was right. pretty, pretty unusual yeah. action. Yeah, and you're like, well, maybe it was. Yeah, yeah. He he wasn't too. Tim to was just normal life. You yeah. Know? But uh, but he, when he but, stripped down, that was the danger right there. I mean, somebody could have said, okay, let's look at your hat now. You know, yeah. I mean, he 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 could have been and his it, goose cooked. So he was gambling, and he knew from probably childhood yeah. experiences that. You get naked, and from most folks, you can get away with a hat on. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you wear that believer hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but that you know, I would not have ever had the savvy to do that. I mean, that would not have crossed it. That, yeah. that takes a war type hero type guy to say, hey, "Man, I'm gonna lay her on the line right now, brothers." He didn't have a choice, though. You know, yeah. I mean, that, that that's the thing that we're we're not putting ourselves in is these high stakes moments and that's what is so unusual what was the other one? so it was it was the walleye it was the eagle story and then chip gross told they the call third. him rt real turkey yeah real turkey, real turkey. in yeah, the yeah. 40 fights yeah i mean that was just crazy well mm-hmm. yeah the the real turkey now i think the real turkey was just wit yeah like yeah, i yeah. don't think rt ever thought if I'm ever called out by a turkey. Nah, man. yeah, he just pulled that I out. I doubt he's premeditated a lot of these actions, you know. That's why they call me real turkey, RT, you know. With burst of adrenaline going towards his brain. You yeah. know, like yeah, that's exactly. your, your fight or flight response is to 
shoot adrenaline to whatever is needed at that time. Yep. You know, you mentioned the cortex a, a week or a couple of weeks ago, right. and then this guy brings it up again. So if you get too much blood flowing through your cortex, it doesn't work properly. Or what? What's what was he saying? No, he, I think what he was saying was in a fight or flight moment, your body, your physical body, requires more blood energy to potentially fight or run, and so it takes blood away from your brain. I got so you. So you you actually aren't consciously thinking, but you go on autopilot. I got you. So there's less fuel in your brain, and so your brain is just running off instinct whatever you want to call it that, that's what i understood is yeah that, is that what y'all yeah, understood yeah, too? Yeah. yeah 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 so yeah but and it, we're all doctors so we know mm-hmm. <laughs> well it was a it was a fun series i think people really liked it did he retire from dnr oh yeah yeah and and it, yeah he did hey what about th- this was just one of the things of this this episode that really surprised me that the news the Ohio State News ran a story on undercover wildlife agents while he was undercover. Okay, Miss Newcomb, uh, we actually covered that in the first episode and this one. Okay, well, I'm just saying, in the render we talked did, about did, it? Uh, were you able to listen? No, <laughs> did we talk about that in the render? No, so, okay, I, in the first Isaac, episode. Isaac, cut that out where Clay was real mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> in the first episode, no, Chip Gross told a story. Chip Gross, the guy who wrote RT's book in first person. Got it, got it. Mm -hmm. He was a game warden in Ohio, but he also wrote for Ohio DNR's magazine that they sent to all their constituents. They had just started this undercover unit in the wildlife agency, and it was public knowledge. It wasn't like super top secret that like, hey, we're doing this thing now. And he went to the supervisor and asked if he could write an article about the undercover agents and the the guy said sure and so he writes an article and target number two target number two we all know target number two Mm -hmm. carries the 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 magazine article back to rt and says look at this these guys are living with these folks and rt's like golly i can't believe it and rt was very angry at chip gross for writing the article. Yeah. I can appreciate that. That's that's the <laughs> yeah. way I felt when yeah, I... Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can appreciate and that for funny. sure. And you heard him bantering back and forth. So in the interview, Chip Gross was there with me. And Chip is funny, man. Chip is like... Uh, I don't I don't know how old Chip is. Uh, Chip is... Maybe Chip's 70. I mean, he he's he's a really fit guy. Uh, really smart, sharp, like fun guy. Like Gary. And I'm sure Chip is going to be <laughs> listening to this podcast. So, Chip, hat tip to Chip Gross. Uh-huh. Um, and if you're only 62, sorry. Yeah, sorry about that, Chip, if you're not 70. <laughs> uh, no, Chip's a lot of fun, and uh, and he's a great writer. And uh, and he wrote the book, po- Poachers Were My Prey, which you, you can find on Amazon. How did the book do is what I was curious about. Do you know? Um, yeah, it did, it did well for a, a book that, I mean, it wasn't like a New York Times bestseller, but it was just kind of a, a regional book published by a state university. And so I don't know the numbers, but I think the book the book did well. Um, and I know he's got a lot of sales on it since since this podcast came out. Awesome. But, um, mm-hmm. but so Chip was there, and, and he and RT were going back and forth about, you know, RT was like, I couldn't believe you did that. <laughs> and Chip was 
he, he was like, sorry, man. How big is RT? I've been kind of wondering if How I How big should... an old boy is he? How big old boy is he? RT you know, Mercer. He's, he, he's, he's got to be over six foot. You know, I mean, he's. You uh, think I could take him? Oh, yeah. RT? How many fights have you been in? Gary, believe in Newcomb? <laughs> One. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't start it. This guy jumped on me. <laughs> I didn't have any choice. <laughs> no, I, he he's pretty good. He he's probably six one, six two, and you know, he's probably not in fighting shape these days. But uh, I wouldn't want to fight him. I mean, I, if I fought RT, I mean, it'd be, he'd know he'd been in a fight. He'd, he'd know he'd been in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> good. Uh, I'm gonna start saying that to Clay. You yeah. can engage in this argument. There you <laughs> you go. might even win. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know you've been in a fight. <laughs> uh, that was good. That's funny. That was good. Well. I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait for the next episode. It's oh, gonna be say. good. No foreshadowing. No. None. Zero. Wow. It takes I'm a up. lot of personal discipline on you, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But when I wear this coonskin cap, I feel like the <laughs> you're king. A, you're an oak. I feel like a mighty oak tree <laughs> with a giant borcoon nestled in his branches, underneath an Ozark moon swaying in the wind. Wow. Great to have everyone. <laughs> It looks like a beautiful '80s hairstyle. Um, oh, it one does. more thing. Okay, um, pretty sure December fourteenth. Almost certain. Probably it might be. <laughs> I know for sure. Potentially. Potentially, Meteor Season Eleven. My episode with the moose. Oh, the already will be out good December fourteenth. Cool. Oh, good. Pretty so, cool, huh? listen. Let me explain the meteor. We meteor might need to have television. a watch party for that. Yeah, and maybe sure. we yeah. should eat great. some moose. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. It's a good episode. I've seen it. I've named the moose Steve. Um, for everyone that doesn't understand this, Meaty to the television show, my friend Steve Ronella's show, was on like Sportsman's Channel for a long time. And then the last four years, it's been on Netflix. And that's where the world was able to watch Meteor, which is really cool. This year, Meteor Season 11 is only on it only streams from TheMeatEater.com. So it's not on Netflix, but it's the same quality. I mean, it's like Meat Eater. And yeah, you just don't have to pay a subscription. You don't have to pay to for it. All, all you have to do, Even you got you to put your email in. Literally, you go to the website, you, you click up on videos or shows, Meat Eater Season 11, and then it asks you for an email. You put that email in. I mean, heck, you can use my email. Just put in clay dot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I did that today, and if I can do it, anybody. You got can. on there? Yeah. Okay. Good deal. I, yeah. I had a neighbor text me and say, I saw Clay uh, squirrel hunting. Sir, you know, he told a little bit about squirrel hunting. I said, well, I'll try to find that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the one that you did years ago, a couple now, of years ago. That one's on Netflix, though. Netflix, yeah. See, he probably so saw the it on Netflix. So the last four seasons are still on Netflix. Nat the yeah, those will remain on Netflix, so you'll still be able to watch Meteor on Netflix. But the season eleven is is only on the Meteor dot com, and they've been releasing episodes one per week mm -hmm. since about like October twenty sixth. And so I think there's eight episodes in season eleven. I need and, to get caught up. I've only watched like yeah. The first three. I I was on another one too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I killed that, see that buck right there. That's a buck I killed in Nebraska, um, mm -hmm. on Jordan Bud. Which one? Farm. This one over here. The skull. Oh. The yeah. skull oh, yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah. Beautiful. Yep. yep. We had a, a, good looking a neat yeah. hunt in Nebraska. So, that, and that moose hunt was really, it, it's incredible, man. I, like, I'm I'm a moose hunter. Did the show yeah. turn out well? I think it did. 
Steve, I think Steve thought it did. Too. One hunt. Sweet. One hunt. I'm a moose eater. Let yeah, me just say me that. Too. I, I'm a I'm yeah, a big I fan. It, hey, I saw your uh, deer hunt where Ranella was with uh, Jordan. Uh huh. And you, you saw were that by one? yourself. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the that deer. Buck right that's there. that buck. Yeah, yeah, in Nebraska. I mean, that was pretty cool because you were by yourself. Mm. Yeah. Did I interpret that correctly? Well, I mean, I was by myself. I mean, she probably told you where to go and what to do, but well, I mean, you, you were out there hunting on your own. Yeah, I mean, it really wasn't even that great. Um, what what wasn't fully understood in the episode was that Steve was hunting over on this cornfield, and I was like a mile away from him, but I could see him. It's so flat out there, so I'm watching them like wow. a, about a mile away, and I'm here. They see a buck come running by just out of range, but kind of in their quadrant, that buck, that morning, and it runs into the corn. Well, we meet up for lunch, and they're like, yep, we saw a buck. And I saw the buck, too, but it was like three-quarters of a mile away from me. And uh, they go, yeah, it was a good buck. It ran into the corn. And Steve wanted to go kind of still hunting that evening he wanted to kind of stalk through the river bottoms and uh and i said well dude if if you're not gonna sit in that spot i said i'll sit in that spot because that buck went in that corn and he's gonna come back out of that corn that's what i thought makes sense and so steve abandoned the spot and i went to his spot and sure enough, that buck came out of the same <laughs> same row of corn he went into. I mean, just like <laughs> he literally was like twenty feet in yeah, there. He just, just turned around. There. He backed out. It was like put his reverse lights on, backed out of the corn, turned around, jumped the fence, and boom, I shot him. And so the whole week, that was like the first day. And so the whole week, I'm just hanging out in the camp, and and Steve and Jordan are out there hunting, and I kept saying, "Should have been your buck, Steve. Steve's buck. I killed your buck. I'm sorry, man. I killed your buck." And so, you know, that's what we, that's what he talked about on the episode was that he was yeah. like, Clay killed my buck. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, it was funny. Steve's a lot of fun to hunt with. He really is. Man, for all the, okay, I'll clear the air too. On social wow, media. We're getting, we're going, going we're, deep if, today. If on social media, you will see me. Like if you only knew me from Instagram, you would see me razzing Steve Ranella and him razzing me. And, and that's fun. We, we enjoy that. But, I mean, Steve is a great guy to work for. He truly is. A great guy to hunt with and a ton of fun. So, and he's been, Steve has been a big mentor to me. I mean, it kind of goes without saying, but in the media space, like, when Steve gives me input on Bear Grease, I listen. I really do. And uh, When's so he going to be? We've stayed at their home. He and his wife When's have been really be generous to Misty and I. He's been on one render. Yeah, but not not with the real render. That's a crew. good idea. We ought to get him down here. Yeah. He's a busy man. He didn't even listen to the render. I've been wanting to put my application in verbally, but I know he doesn't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> he he listens to the Bear Grease podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're just nothing. I mean, come on. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know when he... He's wearing your hat, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true, true. What were we going to say? Nick? I was just going to say, I think he has listened to some renders because he, sure he, uh, he, remember when he said that Brent was real smart, Josh? Yeah. And what said am I, nothing liver? about you. <laughs> he didn't say anything about us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, hey, I enjoyed the, uh, what, what, what do you call it when you 
had your coat and tie or your coat on and your oh, watch. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. that, that was pretty. That was pretty. That was is a dad. That was like, where did this little dirt ball come from? Yeah, uh, how nice and clean so, he looked, and then okay, you look at him right now. I get now. real self conscious about that stuff. <laughs> hey, it looked nice, man. I'm telling you, that's the only time I've ever looked at you, and I thought, hey, that's my boy right there. Look at him. <laughs> what about chopped liver? Wearing my coonskin hat, looked- Dan's overalls right now, man. Come on, brother. No, no, not the way I looked. I mean, I, I, the anybody way you dress up and look good. No, I get, I get self conscious about, uh, about harassing Steve Ranella, because people think I'm serious. Literally, you'll put something like that on Instagram. And they'll be like, Clay's such a jerk, man. That's you what know? makes it funnier to me. I'm like, it's going to get satire, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so I started, you, you would have seen me be start my post with, this is satire. I really like Steve Rinella and Carl Malcolm. I'm not really belittling them. I think they're great hunters. It's going to be on my Google home feed, like Clay Newcomb, Steve Rinella, and Brutal. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, for some reason, that got uh, that got to me when somebody was like, "What an arrogant jerk!" Yeah, I couldn't sleep that night. It's like, man, it was supposed to be a joke. Hey, was that all off the cuff, or did you have that scripted out? Sort of. It, it really is all off the cuff. That's what I thought. See, that's you know, you want to. I like what you were saying about you know, you want to dig deep and look at the science and how people act. A lot of times, it's just, I mean. You just got the stuff to do it. You know what I'm saying? What we do on those videos is we, at Isaac Neal, he he films them and makes them, and he makes them funny. Isaac is great at making them funny. He does the edit, and Isaac coaches me too. So like, so we'll watch the, uh, an episode of Meat Eater, and I will just comment on anything that stands out. So we'll watch the whole thing, and I might talk for ten minutes, and just and like, he'll pick up. And and he'll go, hey, hey, do that again, but but say it like this, and I'll be like, yeah, 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 that'd be funny. And so, you know, some things we kind of yeah, did yeah, over, yeah. but it's kind of just like off the cuff, just kind of slinging, slinging stuff. But it's it's a fine line because you don't want to like like you could really like rip someone a new one, that, and and you don't want to do that entirely. You kind of want to hit kidney punch him a few times, but then end on a high note because. Really, the episodes are incredible. I mean, Meat Eater is like, art, you know, for sure one of the best outdoor productions ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ever. And so, you know, here I am making fun of it. Which it's is the Steve, humor of it. Yeah, exactly. And Steve Rennell is a way better hunter than you. <laughs> I mean, it, for sure, in Western hunting. Yeah. You get him back here in these mountains in Arkansas. Get after it. Make him, 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 him look like a poodle. <laughs> and then squirrels. He did walk up in here with his twenty two though. I thought that was impressive. <laughs> yeah. Ask him how many squirrels he killed. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes when we go places, there's a thing in our family. There's a belief that I don't know how to leave. Like I can't get out of a conversation. If it's more of a fact. It, so we go, like we go to church or we go wherever, and the kids are like all waiting in the car, Clay and the kids. So they've coached me on how to leave a conversation. I feel like the end of this Bear Grease podcast <laughs> is sort of like we're not really quite sure how to leave. Yeah. I, I I have an idea <laughs> of how we can leave. Well, we started scold that squirrel dog for barking. We started. This ah! <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Ben. We started talking about the spray, and mm. uh, when this is my first time on the on the render. When I came in, my 
the first thing you did was turn and spray the room. And I was like, wow, this is a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we need like scent. It's got, a, it. it's got a smell right. <laughs> this is the Bear Grease Render scent. <laughs> the official if you body wanna, spray of If the you're wearing Bear a Bear Grease hat and want to have a great time, get a little bit of that <laughs> in your house. And all of a sudden. Old, the old the only thing that would make it better is if this chair would break right now. I, yeah, yeah. I've, the whole time I've been saying, don't make that a talking point by you falling on your butt <laughs> yeah. on this chair. Yeah. Well, Ben, thanks for coming, man. Thanks We're going to have you back on. we we got to have Jessica on here sometime. That'd be great. Because she's a bear hunting expert. True. And a childbirth expert. That's right. All right. Thanks, guys. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com and use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we've already done right. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you actually want to eat breakfast. In the last year, I've been more diligent about going to the gym on a regimented schedule and it's made a lot of difference in my life. Therapy helps you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com Grease today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com Grease.